Hey, Action Alerts Plus members, Chris Versace here. And in this latest AAP podcast, I'm talking with Todd Gibson, who's the CEO of Yerbay Beverage Company. And Todd's background is particularly interesting because he's built and sold beverage businesses in the past to the likes of Coca-Cola and PepsiCo. Now, Yerbay offers a line of plant-based energy and seltzer beverages that can you know, today be found primarily in the Western US at locations like Costco and Sprouts Farmers Markets, but Todd's gonna talk to us a little bit about the company's expansion plans. And that really speaks to uh, why I wanted to talk with Todd. And as you know, we're always interested in talking with the management teams of up and coming companies, and Yerbay certainly fits into that category. What I find particularly interesting is that Yerbay is looking to tap into the shifting consumer preference towards healthier natural ingredients, kind of ties in with our cleaner living investment theme, and, and as consumers look to shift away from sugary beverages or artificial sweeteners. And remember, this is a time when people are increasingly concerned about the impact of obesity, about diabetes, and we're also starting to hear a lot more about the side effects from all those weight loss drugs that are making headlines. Now, I, I don't want to spoil the conversation with Todd, and I'm sure you're going to want to hear the how and the why behind what Yerbe is doing, including the fact that its products only have eight ingredients. So I'm going to ask you to sit back and enjoy this week's AAP podcast with Todd Gibson, CEO of plant-based energy and seltzer beverage company, Yerbe Brands. Todd Gibson, CEO of Yerbe Brands, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the opportunity that you're seeing in the beverage industry, particularly with your product, which is, as I look at it, kind of the intersection of, you know, functional beverage, caffeine, and clean, which, uh, you know, given what I know about the beverage industry, how folks are always looking for, uh, if you'll forgive me, Todd, the new, new thing, they're looking for better ingredients, and of course, we all know that we need a jolt of caffeine once in a while. Uh, I, I'm very excited to talk to you today, Todd. Oh, Chris, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, well, let's let's dig right into it, Todd. And you know, one of the first questions that I want to get to is not necessarily your base specific, but it's more about your background because when we look at the beverage industry, there's a lot of you know giants out there, right? Coke, Pepsi, you know, which we which some people own. Um, there's, you know, uh, Keurig Dr. Pepper, there's other caffeinated beverages, you know, teas and coffees. So how, how do you look at the beverage industry and what, what niche, if you will, are you trying to address with your day? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, look, it's a, it's a massive industry and I mean, let me give you a couple stats, right? So we compete in a category called Healthy Energy, and that's a subset of the U.S. energy drink marketplace. And within this marketplace, it's a $21 billion category, just domestically here in the U.S. Globally, this is an $86 billion category, and it's been driven by two companies for a very long time, which tells me right, that it's time for disruption within this space. And you see a lot of innovation that, that's coming out and you see challenger brands that are coming. And we believe that we are on the forefront of this because we took a slightly different position than most of them that are out there. We focused in on health and wellness. We focused in on better for you ingredients. We lean in with organic and non-GMO ingredients. 
in each and every one of our products, delivering zero calories, zero sugar, and zero artificial or synthetic ingredients inside of our product. But Tom, Tom, found, Tom, tell me there's taste. Just tell me there's oh taste. Oh my God, there's, when, you, when you do try the product, it tastes delicious. Like we have these uh, 16 ounce cans and, and um, we use an organic stevia leaf for an extract of it. And uh, most stevia back, you know, if you roll back five or seven years, it left a really bitter astringent aftertaste. Now the stevia technology has come so far that, that it's nice, smooth, subtle, gives it, gives it a nice pop of flavor, but yet more importantly, it gives you the energy that you need out of the product. And there's a lot of energy beverages that are out there. And there's, it's a very interesting track record that's taking place in our industry as of recent. You know, energy drinks that are pushing the limit of 400 milligrams of caffeine or energy drinks that, uh, that, are, that are adding L-theanine and glucolonolactone and taurine on top of a massive amount of, tor- massive amount of caffeine. And for us, we came back to something that we believe you know, is, is really connecting to the consumers. And we're rooted in five key pillars. One, all of our ingredients are water, plant-based, or mineral that are inside of our product. Two, zero added sugars, sweeteners, nothing artificial, right? Three is really about, you know, we're compliant to the main diets and trend trends that are out there in the industry, whether it's gluten-free or paleo or even or even the diabetic trend. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, in, uh, in, you know, here shortly. Sustainability, I'll tell you a story about uh, my co-founder and she recycled over a billion pounds of uh, hazardous waste electronics. Last thing we're going to do is we're going to put this in a plastic bottle and use unsustainable sourcing initiatives uh, in and around the product. And, And the last fundamental more than anything else is we believe the product should be simple, clean and delicious. And if you can accomplish that, you set a product up for potential success. Okay, so that's that's a lot to unpack. So let me let me just see if I can get a couple jabs in, if you will. Yeah, let's go. Uh, so on, on the sustainability front, no plastics. Um, you know, uh, people can't see this, but I can see you as we're talking, and I see some nice, colorful cans behind you. Is is that the packing strategy? Well, so this is so there's uh, we we try to eliminate um, any of the waste streams to the best of our capabilities. So, for instance, the sustainability goes much further than the type of package you're in. So the aluminum can is infinitely recyclable, but that's a no brainer, right? All cans are recyclable. But really, when we say sustainability, we think about where we source our ingredients. We source from fair trade farms, right? We know where the growers are. We source in bulk, so we're not shipping. We're not we're not leaving an eco footprint that's less than desirable. Our bottlers, for every gallon of water that they take out of the ground, they put a gallon of water back in the ground. So we think about sustainability all the way through the entire ecosystem, even to include how we transport the product to maximize the efficiencies, both from a financial perspective, but also from an environmental perspective. And and we we um, we're we're uniquely focused in on this, especially as a company our size. You, you don't typically hear this type of talk track, but for us, it's very much a core fundamental of our of our company. So when you talk about clean, to me that's a lot like organic. And I and I'm saying this as someone who has a cleaner living investment theme. Um, you know, organic can mean it's kind of a squishy term to some people. It can mean certain things to certain people, other things to other people. Clean can kind of fall into that a little bit. So how, how do you guys draw the line when you say clean, clean ingredients? Yeah. Well, you know, for us, is it from nature, right? Is it 
Is it an ingredient that, that can be found in nature? And then what is the amount of processing that goes into the ingredient? We make those decisions before we put it into the product. And, you know, as you, as you may know, or you may already know, you know, I have a fairly extensive background in the beverage industry, and I've been a part of the creation of many of these brands that many of your listeners will have tried. I know what goes into these products. I've seen the development. I've seen the labs. I've been to the the processing centers, and we just took a different fundamental here. We said, look, let's focus on let's focus on a cleaner living for the consumer by delivering a lean in nutritional fact panels. It's so lean, in fact, that we have eight total ingredients that are inside of our product. First one's water. The next six are from plants, and the last one's a mineral. And that's what's in our product. But if you flip around some of our competitors, right, some of the well-known energy drink competitors that are out there, you'll see they'll have anywhere from 28 ingredients to 35 to some of them even have 44 ingredients that are inside of them. And you need a bioengineering degree <laughs> to understand exactly what you're putting inside your body. Right. And um, so we believe that if you bring it with simplicity, Right. But yet the product delivers on its promise. You're going to make a very genuine engagement. And post COVID, I mean, consumers are looking for healthier alternatives. They're looking for sugar, you know, reduction in sugar. They're looking for they're looking for products that function. And that function is coming from plants, not something coming from a lab. I I would go one step further than that. I, I, I think the pandemic only accelerated the awareness of what's the larger, cleaner living uh, movement, if we can call it that. But I also think that when you look back on what we're seeing in terms of, you know, you touched on it quickly, diabetes, obesity, or diabetes, as, as some people call it. Uh, we look at what's given rise to these obesity class of drugs, right, yep, that are out sure. there. You know, people are looking for solutions. And I, I think, you know, if you can find something that's tasty, uh, doesn't have any bad stuff, and there might be some positives to it that that to me sounds like a potential winning combination but before before we go on though todd you you did kind of allude to the fact that you've you've had some history in this industry uh i know uh, that you've sold other businesses to coke and to pepsi before can can you just kind of give someone or give us the listener i should say kind of a thumbnail sketch on your background uh prior to your bay yeah for sure i can be quick on it too um I was a part of the team in 1996 that built and launched the first energy drink here in the United States. Uh, the brand was called Hanson's Energy. You would know it today as Monster. That was the brand that we launched in 1996. Fast forward, I joined an organization later called South Beach Beverage, led by John Bellow. And, um, and we took that company and we supercharged the uh, sales efforts behind it and built the company up, sold it off to Pepsi. Shortly after that, I wasn't the CEO, the COO. I wasn't an executive board member. Or, you know, Pepsi didn't. They're like, you don't have a non-compete. You can leave. I'm like, wait, I can walk out the door, go do anything I want. <laughs> this is crazy. What are you guys thinking? And um, so I partnered up with another entrepreneur, and we launched a product uh, called Fuse, spelled F-U-Z-E, Fuse Beverages, which ultimately we built up and sold the Coca-Cola and also, um, you know, the company had launched a, another product called NAS, the energy drink, and we built that company up and sold it to Coca-Cola. So we've had a nice run uh, within the industry. Uh, you know, my co-founder, Carrie, uh, she has a very unique uh, background within itself. So in 2004, she decided to build and launch 
an asset recovery company from the basement of her home. But fast forward 10 years later, it became the third largest electronic recycler in all of North America. The company was called Vintage Tech, and she recycled over a billion pounds of electronics for Apple, Samsung, uh, Sony, Toshiba, Mitsubishi, and just tons of these uh, these OEMs. She helped build and lobby and legislate laws across the United States before there were laws on asset recovery and, and electronic recycling. So it was it was interesting that when her and I, when we decided to partner together, it was all about cleaning up our diet, right? Interesting. And Chris, I'm not sure if you know this or not. You, I'm sure you do because you're gonna you're gonna pl- provide plenty of coverage on this. But according to the American Heart Association, there's over 96 million people in the U.S. that are either diabetic or pre-diabetic, and that's why you see the rise of obviously Ozempic and Moderna and all these other drugs that are out there. And you know, the biggest contributor to the problem is actually the beverage industry. And still to date today, the number one selling energy drinks in North America, sugar-filled Monster, the green can, sugar-filled Red Bull, the the, the original can. And 24% of all sugar consumed in the United States is coming from beverages. You know, our industry is a part of the problem, and we don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be a part of that solution for for those consumers. Mm -hmm. So when we created a product, again, about no sugar, no calories, no carbs. It's not creating a glycemic event for our consumers. It's giving them what they need, right? Why they purchased it. They want an uplift. They don't need all the other stuff. So I I agree with you. Uh, I personally have not drank soda in, I can't even tell you how long. And that that is not only regular, quote, sugar be- you know, sugary beverages, but also the artificial sweeteners, right? I'll, I'll, I'll drink water. And if I go out, it's, you know, if people are having, you know, whatever they're having, if I'm not having an adult beverage, let's say, it's it's usually club soda and lime for me. So that, if you do go out for an adult beverage, you should mix it with your pay. That's for sure. Well, we'll get let's get to that. Let's get to that. Let's get to that. So, um, you know, so when we talk about new products, you know, and, you know, I, I've seen this in like, you know, the water industry, I've seen this with the restaurant industry, you know, getting exposure, getting footprint exposure, um, growing your shelf space, all of that's important, right? Because in, in order for the in order for the company to succeed, people have to buy the product. To be able to buy the product, they have to have access to the product. So, 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 talk to me a little bit about your base uh, footprint. You know, today, where was it? You know, a year ago. Where do you think it's going to be, you know, uh, going east to west, west to east, or however you'd like to For talk? Sure. For sure. You know, the way I the way I typically describe our distribution to consumers or other retailers or people interested in our company is we're a very West Coast leaning company currently. Right. The majority of our sales are coming from the West Coast and that ranges everywhere from Seattle all the way down to Phoenix, you know, back up into Colorado. We are we have a we have a strong market presence. We're roughly about 14,000 stores uh, across the United States. And, you know, to give you a, a bit of the size of the prize, there are over 350,000 convenience stores in the U.S. There's over 50,000 grocery locations across the U.S. And there's almost a million food service retail outlets across the U.S. So this is a massive amount of space for growth. 
What typically happens with companies like us as an independent company, you can typically get up to about 125 to about 150,000 retail outlets. And then at that point, um, you know, you kind of need you need the power of the Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, Bud Miller, you know, those distribution systems to really drive you further. And um, so we took a we took a different approach than most. Right. We're not trying to be all things to everybody. We want to mean something to somebody first before we try to be, you know, mean something to everybody. And in our particular case, we leaned in heavy with natural foods with grocery and with food service. And that's where we leaned in. So you can find us in on shelves at, you know, Safeway Albertson, Sprouts Farmers Market. You can find us in Costco, right? You can find us in some really incredible retailers that are building the bench of consumers. And um, and as we continue to build that bench, we're, it's it's bringing us to new marketplaces. So in last year, in, uh, in 2022, uh, we started leaning into Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, and uh, this year we started. Uh, we just recently started our expansion in the Northeast uh, with the with the secured authorization of Hannaford, Stop and Shop, Shaw's, up at that Boston and North Market, and um, you're gonna, you're going to see continued growth from us because there's a massive amount of outlets we're not in, but we don't just focus on growth on new distribution. It's really important to us that we focus on growth from within the stores that we've already established. Because nothing's going on to that store, earning that customer, and then for whatever reason, not hitting the performance metrics, and you're gone out of those retailers. So we go deep with our retailers, and so much so that you'll see some fairly staggering sales numbers that are coming from us. So let me let me back you up. So when you say trying to get deeper into your existing partners, that that could be more shelf space, that could be yeah. you know expanding the flavor uh, offering in terms of you know the number of beverages, um, you know product what extensions. If, what 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 are we talking, Todd? Let me give you a very specific example here. So Sprouts Farmers Market. Um, they're, uh, by number of stores, they're number two to Whole Foods, um, but they are the fastest growing within the natural food segment and most likely will overtake Whole Foods very soon. And, and they're one of our anchor retailers. And we've been on that shelf for a few years. And as we've been on that shelf, so is Celsius, so is Guayaquil, and we sit right next to those guys. And when we say go deeper within the store, if you can imagine, and Chris, you'll be able to see it, but your your viewer, your listeners won't, but Guayaquil um, will have eight, eight feet of space in the store. Celsius will have eight feet of space within the dry shelf. We have about two and a half feet of space in the dry shelf, but it doesn't stop there. Celsius and Guayaquil are also available in both of the check register coolers, in the wall bank cooler on display and most of the time they have a permanent display within the stores because they've driven some incredible volume and they've earned and in our particular case we're the growth company we're the challenger brand so you start on that warm shelf and you have to earn your way into the coolers you have to earn your way onto the display activity and you know what's kind of interesting and these these numbers are directly from spins through the august 13 2023 report but Guayaquil is turning 11 cans per store per week per SKU. Celsius is turning 13 cans per store per week per SKU. We're now turning six. So we're almost half the size of both of these guys 
when it comes down to units through the register, right, per SKU, per store. Mm-hmm. And we have only two and a half feet on the warm shelf where these guys have five different spots that you can buy the product throughout the store. So the availability, the availability drives that awareness. And in our particular case, we're driving the awareness to a very small footprint of space. And we, we expect that there will be some form of reward coming from Sprouts in the 2024 sets just due to our performance growth. Now, let's talk about that marketing and awareness, because before we hit the record button on today's conversation, we were uh, teasing someone else a little bit about uh, NFL and exposure. And I had said that um, I as I was getting ready to talk with you, Todd, I, I was really surprised at the number of professional athletes or related institutions, let's put it that way, that you have as partners, um, you know, L.A. Chargers, the 49ers, the Jets. Uh, and it's not just football. There's some other in soccer, some in baseball as well. So is are you following kind of the time tested strategy of, you know, building awareness kind of uh, I don't want to say celebrity endorsements, but high profile endorsements that kind well, of push push the awareness? I'll say yes and no. I, I'll tell you, these are our investors. These are okay. people that own a portion of our company. We don't pay. We don't pay these folks. Um, these are incredibly talented human beings that are at the top of their sport. You know, whether you're Kyle Shanahan from the San Francisco 49ers or Brock Purdy, his quarterback, right? Lincoln Riley from the USC Trojans or Giancarlo Stanton from the New York Yankees and Nolan Arnato from the St. Louis Cardinals. We're, we're crossing the different lines of sport, not because they're looking for just another energy drink. These are people who who take a very measured approach to what they put in their body. And that's why our product has uniquely stood out to each and every one of them is, you know, they, they measure out their chicken that they eat or, or their fruits and vegetables. And, and uh, the last thing they want to do is, you know, drink, you know, one of the mainstream energy drinks that are out there and, you know, it offsets all the accomplishments that they're going for. And, you know, our original one actually started with Annie Thor's daughter, who is the two-time fittest woman in the world, six-time podium champion from this insane sport called CrossFit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris, Chris, truth be told, I thought CrossFit was just an exercise that happened at like a local lifetime fitness. I had no idea what this community was until we got into it. And these are the healthiest. These are the these these folks that are within this community, they believe blindly in in their in their passion of the sport and they believe blindly in health and health and wellness. And our brand fits right up that alley with each and every one of these. Like you don't look at our brand and say, oh, my God, this is a performance brand. We're not positioning ourselves as a performance brand. We're pro- positioning ourselves as a healthy energy brand and all of these sports athletes, right, investors, they invested money because they drink our product. They like our product. That's why they're in. That's why they're involved with it. And we we just launched a sports and entertainment board um, that has like Kyle Shanahan, Lincoln Riley uh, on it. Uh, Kellen Acosta, he's uh, from the U.S. World Cup team. Uh, ben Johnson, who's the offensive coordinator from the Detroit Lions. Ijiro Evero, who's the defensive coordinator from the Carolina Panthers. Then of course Annie Thor's daughter and Richmond Flowers. And each of them bring a very unique dynamic to it. And, you know, now uh, now we have football teams across the country buying our product. We're we're now rolling out on college campuses all across the country. And a lot of this is led by our advisory team that's advising us how to get into these locations more efficiently. 
how to communicate it. And quite frankly, we they lend us their name, image, and likeness. So that way we can continue to build the brand. And going back to what I said earlier about, you know, we want to mean something to somebody before we try to mean something to everybody. Oh, these guys all have a whole bunch of somebodies that want to <laughs> want to follow their lifestyle. True, and, true. Uh, I, I imagine their social media following is, uh, let's just say, helpful. It's, it sure doesn't hurt. It right, sure exactly, doesn't. exactly. That's for sure. So, so, so if you're, if you're doing this and I, I don't want to call it grassroots cause it's more than that, but, but the type of marketing that you're doing, I, I think resonates and I, I think that's, what's important. Right. But, yeah. you know, and you're, you're working your way towards more shelf space. So what, what's on the roadmap in terms of the product? And, and I say that, you know, again, cause I'm, I'm looking right behind you at this nice poster and I see, you know, four flavors. I imagine there are more than four flavors, uh, to be had. Sure, uh, there sure are. So every year we re we reevaluate our portfolio, and you know, currently between our two platforms, we've got a 12 ounce line which tastes like a sparkling water, feels like a sparkling water, but yet functions like an energy drink. And then we've got a plant based energy line, which is the lion lion percentage of our sales. 90% of our sales are done through our 16 ounce line, and. Um, Currently, we have seven flavors of the 16 ounce that's available. But at the end of at the end of every year, we cut the bottom two or three, and we introduce oh. new flavors because you have to you have to stay innovative. You have to stay connected yeah. to the consumer, and quite frankly, you have to provide variety. Um, so we're always optimizing. We're always bringing in efficiencies around the flavors, and and then we lean in on data and how we created one. And you know the most recent one that we launched. I don't know if you can see this or not, Chris, but it's lemonade. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. This has now jumped all the way up to our number three selling SKU, and we just launched it this year. It's just incredible the response from it. And something as simple as lemonade, you wouldn't think that there's like a high demand for lemonade in the space, but wow. It, no, I, uh, would, I would disagree with that because the lemon yeah. profile is pretty good. And what, typically when you think of regular lemonade, going back to what you said earlier, what's it, what's it laced with? Tremendous amount of sugar. sugar. Tons yeah. of sugar. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I'm not surprised by that. So uh, when, when you evaluate these flavors, do you have like a flavor board? And there, there's a particular reason why I'm asking you this, because... Um, you know, in, in the world that we've lived in, known as 2023, AI is everywhere and mentioned everywhere. Oh, yeah. and, sure. uh, and, you know, companies like Danone, Yogurt, suppose they're using AI to figure out what consumers want their next flavor, which, you know, I kind of scratch my head at. Um, how are you guys approaching that? Well, we take a research-driven approach. So we um, we uh, we buy data from big data entities that are constantly surveying consumers. We also execute our own customer surveys, um, and we we test the flavor profiles before we actually launch the flavor profiles. So that way that way we know if we've got a high level of potential engagement, or if it's uh, or if it's one that we should put a pin in and say, okay, not today for this flavor. Okay. Good, yeah. but just not good enough. Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right. Any any stinkers come along? I'm curious that you were like after you taste it, you're like, oh, there's no way we could take that to market. Well, I'll I'll give you a vice versa. Sure. I thought for sure our gourmet grape was going to be the top selling skew of of all of our flavors. It was the I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I grew up in Detroit. I was I would drink grape soda on my way to mm -hmm. to school every day as a kid and 
And so we launched a, uh, a grape flavor profile. I thought it was amazing. It did not work at all. Oh, it, wow. it came out like a sinking ship. But flip it the other way around, lemonade, which I didn't think was going to be the top seller or one of the top sellers, it just blew the charts off. So, so I mean, it's uh, you can't you can't put your personal preferences in front of you know what the consumer has to say because ultimately they're the boss. They're going to decide what they want to consume and what they want to put into their body. Totally agree. Totally agree. Now, um, earlier, Todd, you mentioned uh, eight ingredients, water being the largest, um, six plant-based ingredients and a mineral. Um, in this in this world of inflation and concern, um, any any input pricing pressure that you guys are seeing, um, and then I then, and then I have a separate question just about water. Yeah, yeah. Right now, right now it's leveled off. Um, you know the uh, there was inflationary pressure. Uh, it was it was quite great actually over the last couple of years. I'm sure you and and all of your listeners would know that. But um, you know cans have finally leveled off. Uh, raw materials have finally leveled off. Freight has finally leveled off. So so we're we're not seeing we're not seeing a you know 15 20 percent increase in in cost of goods on on certain ingredients anymore. You know you're seeing back to just typical inflationary uh, cost increases, which is which is a good sign for our category and for our industry. Agreed. And then kind of with that, um, you know you're growing, you're expanding, so I imagine you're hiring. Um, are you seeing any type of wage pressure there? Because everything that we've seen seems to suggest that businesses are still having a tough time finding the right people and that, you know, wages are generally ticking higher. Um, and you're on the West Coast. I can't remember if you're in California or not, but if you are, that does kind of mean pricey environment. Yeah, well, we're in Scottsdale, Arizona, thank you. Okay, us. all right, there you go, there you so, go. But but that doesn't mean that we don't have employees in California. And yes, it, it is uh, it is always challenging to find great employees, uh, you know, around the nation. We're always looking for those those movers that truly can move the needle, right? And um, you know, we've always surrounded ourselves with an incredible bench of people, and we have an incredible bench here. But also, too, we're always looking for next generation leaders. Okay. All right. We'll leave we'll we'll leave that at that because that's a little open ended. But on the topic of water, I mean, yes. what, there isn't you know um, there's only a certain amount of drinkable water in the U.S. in the yep. world. So yep. how do you ensure a, a sufficient supply of water um, at a time where at least on the West Coast you know droughts kind of come and go. Mm -hmm. um, other companies, some of which you mentioned, are being very forward in their thinking, buying up water rights in other parts of the world. How 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 do you deal with the concept of of water? Yeah, our bottlers have water water access for for a certain duration of time, um, and each of them have a guaranteed supply that can support our business and the growth of our business and. And, uh, you know, our water comes from two different sources. So it comes from Niagara Falls, Niagara River up there in New York. And then it also comes from the Colorado River uh, down here in the southwest. That's where uh, that's where our water source comes from. And both of them are under the agreements that are in place, um, the NAFTA agreements, both for the Colorado River and for the Canadian U.S. border exchange. So uh, not not to put a f too fine of a pin on it. Um, 
when you look at these agreements, are you saying, you know, your water supply, you're guaranteed uh, for the next year, the next two years, five years? How, how do those things work? They're decades long agreements between the community and, and the, uh, the actual bottlers themselves. So uh, not to mince words, Todd, you're not worried about water. I'm not worried about water um, and I'm not worried about our supply chain with our raw materials. You know, each of our raw materials are are produced in abundance. You know, yerba mate is one of the most abundant ingredients that are that's available on the planet. Uh, it's grown from Argentina all the way through Brazil, all the way up to Costa Rica if we if we needed to source all the way up there. But there's a healthy amount of farms that, uh, that you can source from. It's a healthy amount of supply and it regenerates itself every 30 days. So we have a we have a we a very safe, secure supply chain within our uh, within our product line. So, uh, if you'll forgive me, uh, eight ingredients. Yes. Most of which, some of which, I, sh- I should say, because I don't know all eight, are widely available. Um, yes. This sounds a lot like a company in Atlanta that has the secret formula locked up. Uh, wow. How 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 do you protect yourselves? Well, so. Ironically, I spent three years at that company down in Atlanta that uh, and they uh, they they actually unfortunately taught me a different roadmap that we didn't know already. So when we were an independent company, right, you operate like an independent company. And I don't mean your I mean, our previous companies, Um, you operate like an independent company and you're doing it with limited data and research or or even knowledge or supply chain experience. And. When I came into Coca-Cola and I spent three years there, um, they were kind enough to lend the expertise around bottling, bottling optimization, how to maximize your yields out of your product, right? How to formulate it to where it can run on more than just a single or, or a dual faceted production line. So when we built our formula, we built it to where it can operate on every carbonated soft drink bottling line across the country. So there isn't a there isn't a line that we wouldn't be able to run. So we're we're a cold fill, right? Non-pasteurized, no preservative product, which means that from our perspective, we're one of the cleanest platforms that's available in the marketplace, and we built it to where you can run it at scale and efficiency. So it keeps our cogs lower than our competitors, and. Um, with our with our product line, it's slightly carbonated, so it's not um, it's not like over the top like you get with some of these beverages, uh, but also too at the same time, you know, it's delicious, it's light and refreshing. And from a bottling perspective, we're uh, we're one of the easiest products for them to uh, to bottle, and our yield rate is over 98% yield on each of our production runs, which is one of the highest that you're going to find in the industry. Wow, that's amazing. The um, get, getting back to my question, though, uh, in terms of protecting the formula, mm-hmm. is it patented? Is it? I mean, how how do you kind of protect mm-hmm. someone? It's a, from, it's from a trade person? secret. Okay. Yeah, we we're not. If we if we patent it, then we're disclosing exactly how to make it. Um, so we uh, we we treat it as a trade secret. Okay. And um, not to put words in your mouth, Todd, you got two product lines today you mentioned. Uh, fair to think that before too long, there could be a third? But we always say we, we're going to constantly innovate. You know, whether or not it's a third product line or it's an innovation from our current lines, 
that's yet to be determined and, and yet to be uh, shared with the marketplace. But, you know, innovation right now, we have so many new stores to go into that the market hasn't even really learned who we are. Unless you're a Costco shopper in the Costco regions or a Sprout Safeway Albertson shopper within those regions. And even within that, we have tons of awareness to build within those marketplaces. So it sounds uh, early days, which makes me excited because I, I, you know, whether it was Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, even McDonald's back in the day, um, or Cheerwine, if you want to think of that soda, that that, that sure. Kind of Sure. That uh, was a with a excuse me was a southern U.S. favorite that's been expanded, uh, and we can go on and on even back to uh, eventually when <laughs> don't ask me how I know this when Coors actually made it to the East Coast, right? Across the Mississippi. Exactly, exactly. All all of that geographic expansion brings opportunities for uh, well crafted, well positioned products, and I, I I look forward to hearing much more about this as you guys continue to go out and do what you're doing. But Todd, before we get out of here, anything we didn't talk about that we should? I mean, really, what what I would say is for your listeners to keep an eye on us, watch our press releases, watch what's coming next from our company. We're bullish on this organization. We're bullish on this brand. And, you know, challenger brands, they come up. And when they do, and those that hit, they go big really quick. And here's a good example. So Celsius had been in business, I can't remember the exact date, Chris, but 19, 20 years. Three years ago, nobody had heard of them. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who they were, right? You get a hot moment, and now all of a sudden you've got a brand that people want to talk about. Keep an eye on us. We've got big names that are behind us. Right. The company is is driving innovation. We're challenging the norm of the industry. We are truly a competitor, a, a true challenger brand to this marketplace. And and uh, I'd love to encourage each and every one of your listeners, please try our product. Visit our website, yourbay.com. Right. Try it out. See for yourself. I will take you up on that, Todd, because I don't believe you ticked off the mid-Atlantic region yet for your bay. So I'm going to have to go do that. So um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I'm going to reserve the right, Todd, to call you back somewhere in six to nine months. We can get an update on where you are, check in on not only uh, the flavors that you'll have in 2024, but to see uh, how you've continued to kick down those doors and build the business. I love it. Looking forward to it, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you.